verses 2 through 6. It says, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. And with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the nations, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. And the New Testament uh, scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah. And John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. May we be grateful for the hearing, reading, and the understanding of these words. Let us pray. Lord, once again, we do thank you, and we give you thanks for the scriptures. Lord, we thank you that they are inspired by you. And Lord, we pray that uh, words um, that have been read this morning will, um, will sit on our hearts and that we will go back throughout the day and think about uh, these scriptures. And Lord, what you might be saying to us in them now and how you may be calling us to act uh, as disciples of Christ. So Lord, I pray in these coming moments that you would speak through me and that you would speak in spite of me. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, this, this is a time of year where many of us may be eager and joyful to see someone that maybe we haven't seen in a while. Maybe you have uh, a sibling that's coming in for Christmas or uh, a parent or um, a child or a grandchild or um, maybe you... Um, are looking forward to seeing someone in your family that's been away maybe for their first semester at college if they uh, went out of state to do that. And there's, there's a sense of eagerness and expectation and excitement uh, for some of us who are going to see people we haven't seen in a while as Christmas gets closer. And I know for our family, that, that person is our, my brother-in-law and my wife's Emily's uh, brother. Uh, who goes to college in North Carolina, and he drove home yesterday. And we have just been so excited and so eager um, to see him and are just looking forward to the opportunity to hang out with him as he's on his winter break before he goes back in January. And we haven't seen him yet. He's, he is home, though. But there's this sense of anytime he's home, we just get so excited and we just want to spend time with him and we just want him to come um, and spend time with us and we want to do things with him. He just brings us a lot of joy, and uh, he's a blessing to us in many ways. And as this season of joy uh, and anticipation 
uh, comes closer and closer, in particular maybe for people we haven't seen in a while, it reminds me of the season of Advent and, and what that season looks like as we prepare for the coming of Christ, a time where we joyfully prepare our hearts for Christmas Day and the reality of Christmas and what that means for us. And the Old Testament scripture reading this morning was from Isaiah. And Isaiah was a, a major prophet uh, in the Old Testament um, in the 8th century uh, BCE or so. And um, what, just a recap for some of the history here of what's going on is um, as the Israelites were rescued from slavery in Egypt, they kind of made this journey uh, throughout the Old Testament, and they eventually get to the land that God had promised to them, the land of Canaan, and they settle the land with the 12, and that becomes the 12 tribes of Israel. And after a while, uh, the Israelites kind of cry out for a king. They want a king. Uh, this is kind of how the book of Judges ends, is, you know, the people did what was right in their own eyes because they still had no king, they, and they, they begged for this. And they got, they got a king. So um, some of the first kings of Israel are Saul, uh, and then King David, of course, a very popular one, um, and then David's son, Solomon. And Solomon's the one who built the temple, and um, of, when Solomon dies, uh, what happens uh, through a series of different things, is that the kingdom actually divides, it splits. And, the, and then you have the northern kingdom of Israel. Here, here's a map here. The, the purple section is the northern kingdom, and the, the blue section is the southern kingdom. So the northern kingdom becomes, um, that's 10 tribes of the 12. Um, and they're taken over by the Assyrians um, in, in a couple hundred years later. And uh, they're kind of scattered, never to be heard of again, really. And, and they go and are dispersed in many different places. And different cultures begin to come in and live there. And, um, but the southern kingdom of Judah is just the tribe of Benjamin and Judah. So it's just two tribes of the 12. And they eventually become um, the Jewish people. So when you hear the word Judah, think of Jew, and they're eventually taken um, um, in captivity as well. They're taken over by the Babylonians, and, but they stay together. They're not dispersed. So when they come back, they rebuild the temple and the, put the wall around the temple. That's Ezra and Nehemiah. But Isaiah um, is a prophet in the southern kingdom. So he is a prophet in the kingdom of Judah. So when you see prophets in Scripture... Um, know that some of them were prophets to the kings and, and the people um, in the north and then some in the south. So the kingdom of Judah is where Isaiah was and some of the things Isaiah was saying. And as many of us know, prophets would say many things that um, they were a mouthpiece for God. They were um, angry about injustice and the way people treated one another and these sorts of things. And uh, they weren't very popular because many people didn't want to hear what they had to say, so they didn't have the easiest uh, lives in the world. But Isaiah is a prophet in the southern kingdom of Judah. And in the midst of these words this morning, you see some themes, and these themes might just kind of uh, sit on your heart a little bit this morning because some of the things that, that are said in the scripture in Isaiah are things like, God is my salvation, or trust in God or I will not be afraid. There are themes like the Lord is my strength, or sing praises to God, or sing for joy, a command to just sing for joy and be joyous because God's presence is with us. 
And in the midst of this season of Advent, as we continue to prepare uh, for the coming of Christ and Christmas Day and the season of Christmas that, that follows, that these are themes to reflect on in the season of Advent as well. Because we all have traditions, we all have things that we do, we all have um, certain music that we listen to during the Christmas season. Uh, we, we may decorate trees in certain ways or put lights on the house in certain ways, or there might be must-see movies uh, that, that many of us watch and see. In the past couple of weeks, I've tried to highlight a movie, a fairly popular movie, um, each week that many of us may know or have seen, and just kind of talk about how does this movie relate to us? How does it relate to us as disciples? How does it relate to us in this season of Advent? And this morning, um, the movie I want to talk about uh, is this one. Good old Home Alone. How many of you have seen the movie Home Alone? Many of us. The, the original, right? And uh, this was a movie, uh, believe it or not, came out in 1990. Um, so this is... Um, um, I was a, a fresh four years old, you know, when this movie came out, and, and, and it hit the theaters in 1990, starring Macaulay Culkin and, of course, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern in the background there. And uh, there was original, and then there was the, um, the second one, which is my favorite, is the, where he's lost in New York City, and that's a different uh, storyline. But, but I want to speak this morning uh, a little bit from this movie and some of the highlights of this movie that can uh, relate to us and what it means to be Christian and as we prepare for the season of Christmas. And if you have kids or grandkids uh, my age, uh, you, you certainly have probably heard of this or seen it. Many of you have. Uh, if you grew up in the 90s, this was definitely one of those staple movies from from my experience. But basically what happens, if you haven't seen it, is that you have little Kevin McAllister here. And he has a really big family, lots of siblings, and uh, his cousins, and they have a lot of, of extended family. So, so the couple of the families are in his home as the movie starts, and he basically, uh, it's chaos. You know, people are, are shuffling all around to, to get packed for their vacation that they're about to take, and uh, they order pizza, and, and they're in the kitchen, and, and you know, if you're rubbing elbows with family in the kitchen when you're trying to do stuff, it can get a little frustrating, and Kevin basically, um, because of the, the, the probing of his older brother, Buzz, uh, who they don't get along very well, um, Buzz kind of starts something, and Kevin ends up getting in trouble, and then he makes a scene in front of the whole family, and his mom sends him up to, like, the upper attic floor where the, when you're bad, you go up and sleep in the, the attic um, bedroom place. And so he's up there, and his mom and him just have some choice words with each other. They're not very loving at all, and they don't really mean it. They're in the heat of the moment. You know, we've experienced this before, maybe with our own family. And, and well, the next morning happens, and they sleep in. So the, the family is in a panic, and they are rushing, rushing, rushing. And as the airport vans are coming to pick them up, and the power goes out during the night, so that's why their, uh, their alarm didn't go off. So basically, you can guess what happens is as the parents leave, as the vans leave for the airport, they did a head count, and they had what they thought was the right number, and Kevin is still up in the attic sleeping. So they get to the airport, they're rushing, they're rushing, they don't have time to, to really count anybody, they're just running, 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 and they're trying to get everybody in, and I think the parents are in first class or something, and the kids are in the back, so they don't really, you know, check each kid, and as the plane takes off, the, the mom begins to feel like she's missing something, like something's 
something doesn't feel right. And the dad's like, well, um, what are some things that maybe we forgot to do? And, and the mom says, uh, you know, eventually she says, what about the garage door? And he says, oh, yeah, that's it. I forgot to close the garage door. And she still feels a little bit like something's off. And then, of course, you, you notice that Kevin wakes up and he's, and, he, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm all home alone and, and my family's gone. And then he gets very excited about that and he starts to do all sorts of fun things because he thinks this is what he wants. He wants his family out of his life and he's home alone and it's just going to be the best time ever. Well, what begins to happen is uh, these two guys in the background here uh, thinks they think it'll be a good idea why families are on vacation. They're just going to break into people's homes and steal things. So when they try to do this in the home of, um, of the McAllisters, well, Kevin's actually home. And he begins to play all sorts of pranks and sets booby traps and all sorts of things to, to stop them. Uh, well, the, pretty much the whole movie is uh, those guys trying to um, go back and forth with Kevin. And the other part of the movie is the mother and the father and the family, once they figure out they've left Kevin at home, they're trying to do everything they can to, to check to see if he is home. She's racing to get a flight back uh, home, and she can't seem to get one. She ends up getting arrived from some people, and there's this whole story of her eager to make it back home. And throughout the movie, you just have a sense where all of a sudden, um, Kevin begins to, to miss his family. He begins to miss those who he thought he once hated. He begins to, to yearn uh, for them to come back. And and a couple of the ideas in this movie that I wanted to highlight in this third uh, Sunday in Advent are this, is that first is that Kevin's parents left behind one of their most loved and valued possessions. They left behind their own child in the midst of rushing. It kind of reminds me of the story where Jesus, as a young kid, was, was left and, and Mary and Joseph uh, realize it a little ways down the caravan there, and, and they go back, and Jesus is in the temple, and he's like, where else do you think you would find me? But how do you leave your most... Some of us have maybe misplaced a child for five or six seconds, or maybe in a grocery store or something, and if you've done that, you know the feeling. It's, it's horror. It's, it's your stomach falls to the floor. It's, it's, a, it's a really bad feeling when you feel like, you've misplaced a child or they've wandered off or something like that, and let alone they have to get on an airplane and try to figure out where is our son. And in the midst of their franticness and their busyness and all that they had to get done, they forgot. They're one of the most valuable possessions, one of the most valuable things in their lives. It was their own son. And I think this can be a reminder for us that as we're getting closer and closer to Christmas Day, things can pick up. Last-minute things uh, need to happen. We, we get frantic. We get busy. We, we go from here to there, and, and those are nice and fun things to do every now and then. But I, I think an idea for us is that we wouldn't be like Mom and Dad McAllister, where we get so frantic and busy that we forget about God's Son, that we get so frantic and busy that we forget about scripture reading and prayer and honestly preparing our hearts for Christmas Day and, and what that means for us that Christ is born. And as we continue to prepare for that, I, 
I ask you and I ask myself, and I challenge you and I challenge myself to, to not get so busy that we forget about the true meaning of Christmas and what that looks like. And the second thing in this movie that I think is important to mention is Kevin's, the, the boy, Kevin, his willingness to have hope. So he shows lots of signs of maturity in the midst of the movie and as the movie progresses. So at once, uh, in the beginning, he was very afraid of the elderly, older man across the street that they, the older uh, siblings and cousins would, would try to scare Kevin and say uh, what a scary person he was. So he was scared of the neighbor. And as the movie progresses, he has conversations with the neighbor, and he gets to know the neighbor, and he gets to hear the neighbor's story, and they have compassion for one another, and he realizes, after all, um, this is a good man. So he, that happens, and he also goes grocery shopping uh, at the local market, which is a pretty funny scene where he's getting laundry detergent and food and all sorts of things, and people are just kind of looking at him funny in the store because he's such a little kid, and he's got coupons and all this stuff. So he's showing little signs of maturity there, and, you know, the house is decorated, Christmas is, is ready, it's, he's prepared, and when the mom and the dad eventually come home and the family marches in the door and they see him, uh, there's a, a great feeling of joy. And then they begin to ask him, you know, and they learn that he went to the grocery store and he did all these things, and they're just amazed that, that he was setting up for Christmas and that he was still preparing for their return, and... He, he yearned for them to come back again, and he wanted that when he thought he didn't. He truly did want them back. He wanted his family back. He, he wanted to spend Christmas with them, and he had hoped that they would return. So I think about that, and I, I wonder this morning in the same way, are we preparing our own hearts for Christmas? Are, are we truly preparing the way that that? that leads to Christmas Day? Are we preparing for that moment and what that season brings? And as, as the family returns home, he also kind of unites with the older brother Buzz and, you know, people kind of think of him as like a little hero. They're, they're excited to see him and everything's great and wonderful. And he looks out the window and he sees the old man um, across the street uh, uniting with his family once again, who he hadn't seen in a while. And there's this snow falling. It's just kind of one of those great scenes where there's great joy at the end. And as you read from Isaiah this morning, and as we hear the words from Isaiah, we're reminded of joy. We're reminded of God's presence with us. And maybe you may feel like Kevin in the movie, and, and, and you're longing to not feel all alone at Christmas, because Kevin eventually didn't want to be alone. And maybe there's a sense of uh, brokenness in your family or friendships or whatever, and, and you don't want to feel alone uh, on this Christmas. And if that's you, um, uh, know that, that this scripture reminds us that God is present with us, that God is with us in the midst of it, and, and that moments like this where we can gather together on Sunday mornings, our church family, is a tangible reminder also that we're not alone and that, that we are here and that we can reach out to one another. We are the community. We are the body of Christ Last night when it was raining, I was walking across the uh, kitchen, and I looked up on the windowsill uh, above the sink, which maybe is like six or seven feet or so when you go outside, and uh, it was raining, and one of our cats was sitting on the windowsill, 
and just kind of like tapping at the window, like uh, very eager to come home, very eager to get inside, did, not, did no longer want to be outside. So I, I walk over and kind of open the sliding glass door and uh, the cat comes in and then we have two cats. So I, I call out for the other cat and I'm, I'm calling her name and I don't hear anything. So I kind of close the door and lock it and walk around again. And a few minutes later, as I'm walking back through the kitchen, I look up and there's the other cat on the windowsill, just, you know, <laughs> knocking like, hello, I heard you call me and you close the door too soon. So, you know, I, I go and I open the door and she flies in like immediately and um, goes and kind of dries off. And I was thinking about that and um, in relation to um, the mom in the movie, the eagerness that she had to come home. The, 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 I mean, you, you mothers out there, you can probably only imagine that feeling that she must have had as a mother, to, the, the eagerness to just want to come home and to rush back and to go back into her home and be with her son that they had left behind. And, you know, maybe that's you as well uh, in this Christmas season or this season of Advent. And maybe, um, maybe you feel like you need to come home. And maybe you feel like um, you've strayed from the path a little bit and God's reminding you and, and God's opening up the sliding glass door and calling your name and saying, uh, why don't you come on back? Why don't you, why don't you come back to me and, and receive my love and my grace and um, my forgiveness? And, and, and why don't you come back and, and reignite your faith in the living Christ once again and that invitation is for you? And maybe, maybe that's you today is that you feel like in this season of Christmas that, that you need to come back home and, and go into God's arms of love and grace. You know, Christmas is coming. The Messiah is coming. The one who John the Baptist would say and point us to, the one who is coming is more powerful than I am. And the straps of his sandals, I'm not even worthy to untie. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And the question is, are you ready? Are you ready to come home this Christmas? So let us continue to prepare our hearts for that day that we look forward to. Let us continue to, to, to focus on God's son and not get so busy with other things that we forget what's really important. So let's prepare our hearts as we are one day closer again to Christmas. And the prayer can be for us, come Thou long expected Jesus, come. Let's pray. I just want to invite you to take a moment to be in prayer for yourself before we pray together. To think about those places that you want to grow in your faith or whether you just need to be reminded today that God is with you or maybe you're ready to come home. What is your response today through this worship service, through all that we've experienced this morning? How will you respond?
Almighty God, we give you thanks. We thank you for your presence with us in this moment. Lord, help us if we feel alone and broken. Help us to be reminded that you are right here. And help us to be reminded that our church family is right here and that we are not alone. Lord, if we're people who have strayed from the path, which we all do, help us to come home today. Help us to come home once again. You're calling us. And Lord, maybe it's for the first time ever. Help us to say yes to you and to reflect your love all of our days. So Lord, as we continue to prepare in this season of Advent, help us to have an inner sense of joy as we look forward once again to Christmas Day. It's in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand with us as we sing. And if anybody feels led to come forward and pray and kneel up front during this song, uh, I invite you to do that.